change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Pods Gleewee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, normally this is the time when you and I will chit-chat for a little bit, but they, you know that old saying, the calm before the storm? Whoever said that, though, was not talking about the lead-up to CFL free agency because we have so much stuff to get into that I feel like we just got to like jump right in to sort of the news of what's going on. And we're going to start with everything that fans of the Ticats have been hoping we would talk about at some point the things that fans have been begging the team to do, and that's they signed some of their players to contract extensions. So on Sunday, the team inked up-and-coming pass rusher Malik Carney to an extension, and then on Monday, they re-upped with both backup quarterback Matthew Schiltz and running back Sean Thomas Erlington. So let's start with Carney, Mike. What was your initial reaction when you saw the news that the man they call Scoop would be back in 2023? I was very, very happy about the signing. I mean, the guy's still relatively young. He's only 27 years old. He just... He's just starting his professional career, uh, basically. So uh, he had a pretty good year last year with seven sacks. I think he's tied for the team lead in that category. So I think the best is yet to come from Kearney, and uh, I'm happy he's back with the black and gold. Yeah, you're right. He's had seven sacks. That tied for the team lead, and he started just six games last year of the 18 that the team played. I think he played in mm-hmm. almost every game, however. I looked at this, I, I, very, I, I thought he, he performed really well last year, but did, did not think that this was the team correcting a wrong from a year ago. Uh, what I mean by that is they watched Lorenzo Malden leave in free agency, kind of in the same mold of Carney a year mm-hmm. ago, like an up-and-coming pass rusher. They watch him go to Ottawa. He flourishes into an every-down player, leads the league in sacks, and wins most outstanding defensive player. I feel like signing Carney was the team not making that same mistake over again. I'm not saying that, that Carney's going to end up, you know, 17, 18 sacks this year, but I feel as if the team didn't want to see another promising young pass rusher leave to go somewhere else. So I think this was a really smart signing bringing him back, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you look at what Malden did in Ottawa last year, and obviously they're not the same person, but, you know, you can see the, you know, the track that he's on, that he could be, like you said, maybe not 17, 18 sacks, but maybe he gets to 10 sacks this yep. year. You know, you don't have to be close to 20 sacks to be productive. So uh, I'm with you, man. I think it's a, it's a great sign. And what what would the Ticats have looked like last year with Molden's production on the defensive line when it was it was very hit and miss last year with the D-line? So it yep. feels like Carney's going to be – last year I know the team started one Canadian. Mason Bennett started most of the year. That's who Carney was filling in for here and there. I think bringing him in means that he's – like I'm not bringing him in, but re-signing him, I mean, probably means that he's uh, he's likely penciled in for a starter spot when training camp opens. Let's move on to Matthew Schultz then. What did you think when you heard that the team and came to a new deal? I was really, really happy about this one. I think that Matthew Schultz, when he got a chance last year, now don't get me wrong, he's not, he hasn't proven himself 
as a starter or anything like that. But the time that he was in there last year, I thought he played great. I thought he filled in. I thought he was better than Dane Evans at times last year. So I think it's a guy that knows the offense really well. And if Bo goes down, I'll be very comfortable with Schultz uh, sliding into that position. Yeah, I think we've talked pretty openly about our admiration for him last year. Even when he was in Montreal, I liked some, like when you saw him, saw him in spot duty, there was like, I think there might be something there. I don't know, like you said, I don't think he's a full-time starter or anything like that. But as a guy who who is your insurance policy for your big franchise quarterback in Bo Levi Mitchell, it's not a bad one to have. And as we've seen in this league, no. how many how many players, how many quarterbacks play all 18 games? Last year, who did Caleros play all? I mean, he maybe sat a couple because Winnipeg wrapped things up, but you know what I mean? Like, what yeah. quarterback stayed healthy all of last year? So bringing in a guy like him, keeping him around, like you said, knows the system, is comfortable in the system, is a bit of a change of pace, too. Like, let's remember they used him in various roles last year. Bo's not going to be doing any sort of quarterback sneaks or, or running the ball at all. That's not his game. But you can bring in Shilton for kind of a change of pace if you need to. At the same time, if Bo does get hurt, and let's be honest, Bo has been injured the last, what, three seasons he's dealt with injuries? So yep. it's not exactly as if he's made made of, like, adamantium or, you know what I mean? Like, he's not he's not— He's he's up getting up there in age and, and injuries are taking their toll. If Schilt has to start a couple of games, we've seen the proof that he can get the job done. He did last year getting them a couple of wins when Dane was hurt. So I think this is a, a really, really smart move. And I also think, and I think you'll agree with me, but I'll ask anyway, this pretty much puts the nail in a coffin that Dane Evans would come back to, right? Like there's no chance that definitely not the contract, but like even if they wanted to restructure the deal or something like that, bringing in Schilt almost guarantees that that's not going to happen now. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to bring him in and compete for the second, yeah. <laughs> the, the backup position? Uh, yeah, Dane, Dane is done. And, you know, just touch on a, a point you made about Matthew Shields being a little little bit different than Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, more mobile, obviously. He knows the system and he, he can run the system very well, but they can also tweak it when he comes mm-hmm. in as well to throw the defenses off. So I think it's just tremendous to have him as a backup. And uh, I, I feel great about it. Uh, lastly, we'll bring up the team bringing back Sean Thomas Erlington once again. Man, eighth round draft picks don't have long CFL careers, and Sean Thomas Erlington has been. I mean, again, he's not one of the most productive backs, but he was on his way to sort of stardom before he got hurt in 2019, and he's always been sort of a really valuable piece, whether it's offensively being a change of pace back, being putting him out at, at slot back, or even in the return game. To be an eighth round pick and to, and to still be hanging around and and to be a contributing, not just like. Oh, he's a, you know, you know, when you think of Canadian players that are late round picks, oh, they're just special teams guys. He's kind of done it all for this team and, and been whatever the team has needed. They've kind of kind of used him in and he's been happy with that. Do you like bring him them bringing him back or not? Like, what do you think about that? I, I like it as well. You know, after the the injury he had and he came back that next year. And I think we both thought that maybe, you know, he'd lost a little bit. He's not the same guy. But I thought in the limited time he got to play last year. He showed that he can still be that explosive runner and be a physical runner as well. So once again, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good signing because one, he's Canadian and two, he can do the job really well. So um, there's rumors swirling around that we might be signing another running back, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but he would be a good uh, rotation guy. And that's kind of the thing. Like when you have a Canadian of this caliber that is comfortable as a rotational player there's not a ton of drop-off, and we haven't seen a ton of drop-off when he's been on the offensive side of the ball. You know what I mean? Like when when they've either had to change guys up due to ratio considerations or 
or you know a guy gets hurt in game and he has to come in for for whatever reason. There hasn't been a, like he's made some big plays for this team, made some big plays for them last year. He's he's been a consistent sort of reliable player for this team, and and I think having a guy like that where the drop off from the starter to the backup is almost non-existent. Like some people say, like oh you want you want to have your guy and and all that other stuff. But in in football now, you see teams run two and three back offenses and having multiple guys yeah. do it. To have Sean Thomas Erlington there as a guy who's, I even if you bring in another back, which like you said, we'll talk about in a second. There, the drop off in production just it doesn't exist. It's 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 not I won't I won't say amazing because I think I think he's a good player, but he's not an outstanding player. But it's it's kind of nice to have that. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like confidence that if he has to come in the lineup, you know he can get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. It's. Like I touched on a little bit, you know, my confidence dropped off a little bit on him, but then he gained it right back last mm-hmm. year. So uh, I think he's a very productive player that can be very versatile as well. I think that, you know, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he he can catch the ball at the backfield and he can also block pretty well. So um, the guy's going to be a valuable part of this team. Yeah, very useful to have around for sure. All right, let's move on to, I guess, what we'll label less happy news. The Ticats released running back Don Jackson last week after Jackson tweeted out that he was moving on to the quote unquote next chapter in his life. Jackson played in 14 games over two seasons with the Ticats after coming over in free agency from Calgary. Uh, I believe he initially signed in 2020, but obviously that season was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. He then re-signed with the Ticats with, uh, uh, for the 2021 and, and 2022 seasons. Jackson, unfortunately, you know, he he rushed for 544 yards and two touchdowns and caught 40 passes for 319 yards and two touchdowns with the Ticats. But injuries really kind of hampered his time in the CFL. He played in literally half of the games he possibly could have, 34 of a possible 68 games over his four seasons in the league. He was never really given a chance, I don't think, in Hamilton to be that bell cow back. But he was still a valuable weapon when he was deployed. And it is kind of a shame we never really got to see everything that he could he could kind of do on offense. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think he, I will remember his time with the team as one where we had kind of high expectations that for one reason or another, or one reason or another, were kind of never met. What about you? What will you remember about Jackson's time with the Ticats? I'll remember that stretch that he had for, I think he came and, back from and, injury. And, to the end one. of 2021? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, you know, it just seemed like he changed the offense when he got back in the lineup. He, he was bursting through the holes. He was gaining big yards. He looked like you know, the best that he'd look in in his whole career, basically. So um, I'll remember that stretch of games where he was being really productive and, you know, he just changed the Ticats offense for the better. Didn't that start with a game in Edmonton? Wasn't it the, 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 in Edmonton where, uh, didn't the Ticats just like steamroll Edmonton? It might have been the second game, I'm thinking. Okay. Um, of his comeback there. But yeah, it was early on in the stretch. And there was a game I, I against remember, Edmonton where he had like 100 yards rush or something like that and like two touchdowns. Like he, I remember he had a really good game yep. on the road in Edmonton. Yeah, I think that was the same game that uh, Kane Evans threw like three bombs that game. One of them was by Addison. A couple of them caught by Addison. No, no, no. That was 2019. You're thinking 2019. No, 2021, Mazzoli was the quarterback. Right. The Evans won the bomb. That was 2019 for sure. They went up 21 right. really early. It was right, 20, right, right, right. It was the, I think it was the game where um, Simone and James Walter Jr. almost got in a fight in the oh, field. Remember that? Okay, okay. I remember now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you did have a really good game. Uh, as the it seems that every Ticat has a really good game when they come to Edmonton. So you're the good uh, luck yeah. charm, buddy. Yeah, it must be, must be. I got a question for you because this I I had thought of this in the, once I saw the news I was like oh, I wish I would have put this out beforehand. 
I think the team might have moved on from him regardless. What do you think about that? Do you think it's possible? He, Like I said, he, mm-hmm. he was injured a lot. He didn't see the field a ton. I think it's po- entirely possible that Jackson wasn't going to be back with Hamilton regardless of, of the decision he made. Do you kind of agree with me or do you think I'm out to lunch? No, I agree with you. The way that uh, West Hills came in last year and, you know, he, he ran really well, um, showing that, you know, it's not just Don Jackson that does the a really good job in the backfield for the Tiger Cats. And I think that was, along with all the injuries, I think that was the final nail in the coffin. And it, it looks like maybe West Hills won't be even back, so maybe I'm completely off off base here. But I'm with you. I think that, you know, either... Uh, I think he would have been cut or or let go by the team either way because I think that they're they've been you know they've had it up, made up in their minds that they they're gonna move on because ju- there's just too many injuries when it comes to uh, Don Jackson. All right, I'm I'm glad I wasn't out to lunch on that because I I, I had that thought like oh no, you get yeah you get that's up. the thing he's a great player right but he's just not on the field enough and that's yeah. that was unfortunate. Can't make a team from the tub is is a famous yep. saying. All right, let's move on to the fun part about this week speculating on free agents always kind of a fun time in the off season too is it not like every like we just ran through three re-signings two of them were essentially backup players one of them was an up-and-coming guy and we're like like all the signings everyone loves all the signings their team makes this time of the year do they not yeah everything's uh you know roses and candy canes this everyone's time everyone, everyone has a chance right everyone's undefeated is is what it looks yeah. like right now so We'll talk about what the Ticats still have left to do at the at the top here. They still have a number of big name free agents signed. Guys like Tim White, Simone Lawrence, Jovan Santos Knox are all currently without contracts as of next Tuesday. Uh, all in all, the team has 18 players from last year's squad scheduled to hit the open market on Valentine's Day. Instead of going through the whole list one by one, I figured we could narrow this down to three players. What three players still unsigned by the Ticats, would you like to see return to black and gold in 2023, Mike? So who are your three players of these pending free agents that you want to see come back to Hamilton? Well, I think this guy might be at the top of everybody, every Ticats fans list, but uh, I got Tim White to start with. You know, yep. he just, he showed so much last year. You have to get him back. I know that Bo wants him as a teammate. He hasn't said that outright, but he said, you know, you know, some of the pass catchers on this team I want, I want back. So Tim White's at the top of the list. I got Cam Kelly second. I think he's just been a tremendous linebacker since he's been with the team. I, I just don't think you you lose him. I think you keep him. Um, whatever you got to do. And the other one, the last one is might be a little bit surprising, but I got Mika Johnson. Okay. Because the reason I have Mika Johnson is I feel like the interior of the defensive line struggled last year, especially when uh, Dylan Wynn was out. Obviously, Dylan Wynn's going to be there. He's going to be a stud in the middle. But I think, um, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but I think that uh, maybe Teddy's going to be gone. So I think you got to bring Mika back because I looked at the free agents. There's not a lot of interior defensive linemen on the market that you can bring in unless they got some young guys, some young stud coming up that they're really high on. I think you should probably bring back Johnson. Yeah, there's when you look at the free agent list of defensive linemen, it's a lot of edge rushers, a lot of, yep. of defensive yep. ends, not a ton of guys in the middle end. I think I think we were I, I always think we're fair when it comes to our evaluation of of players. And I think it's fair to say that that Johnson had a slow start, but he ended up tied for the team lead in sacks with with Malik Carney and Julian Hauser, I think, were the three guys that had seven. I wish I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Right. But they, they all finished with seven sacks. So he he turned it on at the end of the season. You you saw that, especially when Dylan Wynn went out, he kind of picked his game up a little bit. I, I can't disagree with any of those three that kind of my, the same three that I had. So just to be a little bit different, I'll pick a different three. 
Um, I, I agree with Mike though. T- Tim White, Cam Kelly, one A, one B of guys to bring back. Uh, I think Bo's talked about in his introductory press conference. You know, wants to make the CFL fun again. That means deep passes, and who better on this team to catch deep passes than one of the fastest people in the CFL and Tim White? And what you said about Cam Kelly, all-star level Sam linebacker. This team seems to always have trouble filling that spot, so you got to bring a guy like that back. So I'm going to give you three different names than the ones you mentioned. Uh, Simone, uh, okay. maybe this yep. is a little bit a little bit hard overhead, but I he was injured last year, first time in his career he was really hurt. But I think if you're going all in to win a gray cup this year. I feel as if just the leadership that he can bring to the locker room, even if he's not an every down reliable player anymore, which I still think, I still think he's got a year or two left in him before you really start to see decline. I think for a guy that got hurt, I think let's try it one more time. And if if it's another season of, of injuries and lack of production, then I think you move on from him, but I feel like he's got to be someone you bring back. Uh, Siante Evans. I think I think, there's, they have Jamal Roll and Siante Evans both scheduled at free agency. I feel like they're going to lose one of them. I think I'd rather bring Evans back because he's more versatile. He can play halfback. He can play corner. He could probably play Sam if you absolutely needed him to. So I, I think he's a guy that I'd like to see back. And uh, the other one is Julian Hauser. Um, I know that there's been some talk of the Ticats. They, they've already inked Malik Carney. There's been some rumors that they're going after a big name defensive end from another team. That likely means that a guy like Hauser might be, well, again, maybe Carney didn't, I don't know. I don't have the numbers on Carney's contract. I'm not sure what he signed for. So maybe he didn't, he's not making big money, but if the Ticats are going to go, that might like go outside the team to, to, you know, bring back a Jaguar Davis or, or sign someone like a Kwaku Botang to bring in. Maybe that means that they move off of Hauser, but I think he's such an underrated player. Like, I just think that he doesn't get talked about enough of I don't think I don't necessarily think he deserves to be in the like elite pass rusher category, but I do feel as if he's someone that needs to be discussed as one of the better pass. Like he's not a top five guy, but he's probably a top 10 guy. And I just don't think that he gets brought up in that conversation anywhere near enough. So Simone for both on field and off field reasons, Evans for his versatility and Hauser because I just I just like him, quite frankly. So I think those are the three guys that I would list. Now, again, because you listed White and Kelly, I decided to go mm-hmm. with other ones. But those are my three. Yeah, it was tough to, to you know, nail it down to three, right? Because mm-hmm. there are players, more than three players that uh, we want to bring back. But that, but that's the game, right? So uh, I think all those all three year picks were great. And uh, if we get all six of those guys back, that would be awesome. Well, and the thing is, too, like. Everyone always <laughs> yells about sign everyone, sign everyone, but you can't sign everyone. You can't. There's yeah. going to be every year the team changes. So there's going to be guys that you want on the team that are going to be playing elsewhere next year. That's just the nature of a league with a, a salary cap. That's the nature of just pro sports in general now. And I know that it's more of a luxury tax than a salary cap in the CFL, but there's still a finite amount of money that teams can spend. And you can't just ink all your veterans to extensions because then like there's going to be rookies. There's going to be guys that come out of nowhere. Like we didn't know who Tim white was two years ago. And now all of a sudden he's number one, same with cam Kelly. These guys are now number one on our list to bring back. So the, unfortunately, as much as everyone's like, bring them all back, you, you can't. So in, in limiting, that's why I kind of limited us to three, because honestly, for the most part, I look at the pending free list. There's only like a handful of guys that I'd be like, yeah, no, they can go, but mm-hmm. you can't have everyone. So you got to move on at some point. So, We've discussed returns now. Let's move on to talking about additions. So we're going to once again stick with three guys because, as we've just said, can't spend money on everybody. Um, I'm going to ask you, what three players out there not on the Ticats would you like to see the Ticats pursue once the market opens next Tuesday? I mean, I guess the market's kind of open now, but 
officially next Tuesday. Officially, yeah. Uh, so I'm with you with Hauser. I really like him, but I think that you got to bring in a proven edge rusher. Um, you know, we did that thing last year where we signed like all the DBs, you know, mm-hmm. all-star caliber DBs. They were great. But the thing is, you, it doesn't matter who's back there. If, if the quarterback has a ton of time, you know, you, you can't cover receivers forever. Someone's going to get open. So I think you bring back Jaguar Davis, you know, hopefully you get like a decent deal on him because last you know what year that, was. You know what that means, though? Not to cut you off. You know what that means if we bring back Jaguar Davis? Mm-hmm. Going to the cup. Yeah, that, well, that's what I'm thinking, Josh. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so you bring him back, boom, we're in the cup, guaranteed. Now we just have to win the damn thing. But but seriously, I think that uh, Jaguar Davis had a little bit of a down year last year. Yep. Maybe that was the system he was in. Maybe they were asking him to do some different thing, dropping a cover. I'm not sure. Not, not, not to cut you off again, did it not remind you a little bit of when Joe Monford left Hamilton to go to Toronto and just seemed kind yeah. of miscast and then came back to Hamilton at a couple good years before he went on to Edmonton to finish his career and went into the Cup? Did, didn't you get the same sort of feelings watching the Argos play last year? You're like, man, Garrett Davis just doesn't feel like he fits with what this team wants to do defensively. Yeah, he just doesn't seem as dominant in double mm-hmm. blue. It's just, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure what it was, but I think you bring him back, you probably get a, a decent deal on him. And, uh, you know, bring him back to his elite ways and get him uh, rushing off the edge because we we need it. We need the the rushing off the edge. And if, if Hauser and uh, Carney, you know, they have great potential. But if they don't step up um, to that next level, then, um, you know, we won't have elite pass rush. Um, so the second guy is uh, Evans, wide receiver from Saskatchewan. Really? Shaq uh, Evans, yeah. eh? Shaq Evans, yes. OK, uh, I'm curious to hear your reasoning for this. Well, there's there's a lot of big names out there like Kenny Lawler. There's a lot of. Did you look at the receiver? There's a ton of receivers out there. I know. There's a lot of good names out there. Lawler. Um, you know, if you want to talk about Duke Williams, there's a lot of big name receivers out there. But I think that Shaq Evans uh, has a lot of potential. I think he's still relatively young. He's got really good speed. He showed a couple years ago that he can be like you know a top five receiver, maybe even top three in the league. So I think uh, I think out of like the elite receivers, he would probably come the cheapest. I'm thinking. Okay, that that I think that's fair. What's your number? What's your third guy? And another guy, and I think you're gonna like this, Josh, is another receiver. I got Levi Noel. Oh, UT guy, let's go. UT guy. I think this kid has a ton of a potential as well. That hasn't met it yet. Hasn't showed the the big numbers, but I think he's a Canadian receiver. I think he could be a top three Canadian receiver in the league. You know what I mean? So I think he can be really productive. We might as well have a guy, if we're going to have a Canadian receiver, he might as well contribute to the team a little bit. So, and I think he could do that. Wow. So you, you know what, honestly was not expecting. I mean, I guess I definitely wasn't expecting Levi Noel to be your, your third pick. Did, did Curly Gittins getting signed by the Argos change your list at all? Because he would have been my number one if he was available. Yeah, I, I put a, a tweet out there from the Posky account that, you know, there's a lot of big names and everyone wants Eugene Lewis. But if we don't get him, I think that, that uh, Giddens would be at the top of my list. Now, obviously, he got taken off that list because and I didn't think it was very realistic that he would come to the Ticats. I figured he would have signed with the Argonauts and that's what happened. But, yeah, it did change change up the list a bit. All right. So I'm with you on a pass rusher, though. I, my guy's not Jagger Davis. I'm going with a guy out of Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh for Laren or Rimalade, he's a young guy, four years in the league, uh, really started to put up numbers last year when he finally got a chance to be kind of an every down player. 
again, they they plucked a young Jagger Davis from Calgary. Look what he did with Hamilton. I think Lightning could strike twice. So he's I'm in the same vein though. But if they got went out and got a Jagger Davis, I wouldn't I obviously would not. I wouldn't even be upset they got Sean Lemon, quite honestly. But mm-hmm. I just like the 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 youth on his side. It makes it interesting. I think the team's going to be in the market for a middle linebacker. I don't think they're going to re-sign Jovan Santos Knox. Of course, as soon as I say that, we're going to finish recording and he's going to evict a new <laughs> extension because that's how this goes. I think they dip to Calgary again. I think they use Bo's connections. Jameer Thurman is a guy who I think hasn't quite reached his potential yet, but last year was kind of his, his first time as manning the middle for the Stampeders. I thought he was I thought he was a really good player. I just feel like if they're going to upgrade at positions, they're going to try to find guys that maybe aren't going to make top of the line money. Like Darnell Sankey would be a guy you'd go after, but like, you're going to have to pay him like top of the league money. I don't know if you will with Thurman and another guy in that same vein, Avery Williams from Ottawa is a guy, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm picking more than three guys here, but my, my picks are Orimilade and Thurman. And then I, I got to go Eugene Lewis. The only thing that scares me is the money. It's how much he's, expecting like $300,000 a year. That scares me a little bit, especially if you bring a guy like Tim White back. So you, like we're going to talk about Steven Dunbar in a second, but he is getting 200 for what he's done. What is Tim White going to command? What is Eugene Lewis going to command? Do you have to spend over 500,000 on those two and another 500 on Bo? Now you're over a million dollars on three players. That feels ill-advised in my opinion. But getting getting Bo that number one receiver, the guy the that best. gets it all, arguably the best receiver in the game, right? Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'd put him right at the top. Like, I yeah. wouldn't even. I don't think you think he, you think he's I, number one. No questions asked. No questions asked. I, I the way that he attacks the ball in the air, I just don't think any receiver in this league does that as well as he does. Um, great hands, obviously. I, I I don't know who who would you put him up? Who would like you compare him? Who would be the the close number two? That is, I'm I'm thinking about receivers around. Like I would have said a guy like Brian Burnham, but he's kind of fallen off. But now right. he's not in the league, obviously anymore. Yeah. You look at Edmonton. Some might say Kenny Lawler, but I I I think he's you take great. Lewis over Kenny Lawler's great. Yeah, but I'm taking Lewis. Maybe it may. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're right. But maybe uh, get Kenny Lawler, a quarterback, get a, a productive offense. Yes. And you might see, you know, a lot bigger numbers from him because he yeah. was he was productive even in a, you know, a pretty, pretty bad offense last year. So, yeah. And yeah, he was. You know what? I think I can't think of like I know Dalton Schoen last year led the league and right? everything. Yeah. But yeah. is that a one year wonder? How many times have we seen guys come in, look like world beaters and then we never mm-hmm. hear from them again? You know what I mean? And then there's no one on Toronto. I take over him. There's no one. There's no one else in Montreal. Tim White, maybe, but I don't. I still think I take Lewis over oh, White, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, Ottawa, there's not really. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm hard pressed to pick a guy. I really am. Now that I think about who's out there on the teams, there's a lot of good like number two guys. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we talked about like the the receiver market. Like there's there's Lewis, there's Lawler, and then there's and and White, and then there's like some really solid like your Greg Ellingsons, Jake Winnikeys, like guys like that. Like some really solid number two guys, but. No, you know what? I think you're right. I think it's I think it's Lewis all day, every day. I think he's the number one receiver in the league. I, I again, I don't I don't like saying that stuff without actually thinking about it. But now that I've had a chance to go over who else is out there, I think it's kind of undeniable. No. Yeah, and uh, you know that's he's the best. So that's why he wants all that money. And I, don't, I, don't, money I don't I don't I don't blame him for it. You know, and if we're if we're not uh, abiding by the salary cap, then then 
then that's get everybody. But, hey, it ain't, uh, it ain't, it ain't my money. If they want to spend a bunch of money and, and yeah. get fine and lose draft picks, exactly. it's not my money. If they win a yeah. cup, I don't care. I really don't care. Nope. Um, okay, nope. let's uh, let's talk about players. Let's get a little negative here, and let's talk about players you don't want to see wearing Ty Cats colors in 2023. Are there any players, both currently pending free agents from the Ty Cats or from other teams, that you just want the Ty Cats to stay as far away from as possible? I got three from the Ty Cats and three free agents, so I'll okay. start with the Ty Cats. Or can I can I guess what your three are? The Ty Cats, yeah. Yeah. Is it Lamar Durant, Kay Okafor, and Michael Domagala? Okafor, Ted Laurent, Domagala. Ted Laurent. Okay. I think yeah. Okafor and Domagala. I don't think we really need to discuss. They're they're they're. So my three were Domagala, Durant, and Okafor. I think we we've which talked makes perfect sense. Which yeah, makes perfect sense. We've talked a ton about Domagala and his issues. We've been kind of mean about Kaoka for, but I mean he's been a developing offensive line for this team for like eight years now. Well, and, and they he, switched him to the defensive side last year. And, yeah, because they had to because they, they didn't have yeah. bodies. Yeah. Um, but he's. Yeah. Uh, I just think you can't spend that much time developing guy. He hasn't taken a starting spot. I'm curious mm-hmm. about Teddy. So why do you not want the team to bring Teddy back? I just. I think it's, it's time. It's time. Yeah. I thought it last year. I said, you know, I think getting a little long in the tooth. He's injured quite a bit. He was injured last year again. I just don't think he's the same player that he was. I don't think he can dominate on the inside anymore. I know he's Canadian. I think he he's he's still a good player, but I don't know. I just think that he'll want a, a pretty large paycheck, being that the you know his past and being a Canadian. So I think he's just no no offense to him. He's been phenomenal tie cat. He's been great, but I just think it's time to move on. Okay. Interesting. See, I think that's another guy in it, kind of the same vein as Simone, the, the leadership, the stability that he could bring. You might be interested in bringing him back. I don't know if he's going to command as high a salary as you think. Like his, his production hasn't been there. Now, if a team offers him starters money, I don't blame him for taking it, but I actually could see him back. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I just find it interesting that you're like, I don't want him back. Versus you don't yeah. see him coming back, but but again, you know what? Good good teams let veterans go, and and that's what that's what some of the best teams do. Like you see teams that mm-hmm. continue to bring. And let's be honest, and this is something that with all the Ticat fans going sign sign more players, sign more players. Do you really want to sign a bunch of players back for a team that really underachieved last year? Like the coaching staff's the same. Yes, they've made a change at quarterback, so hopefully that raises the level a, a little bit, but. All these guys were contributors to a team that finished third in the East, eight and ten. Started the season zero and four. Were what three and nine after Labor Day? Like this wasn't a good football team for the vast majority of the season last year. So everyone's screaming that they want these guys back. I understand the emotional component of it. Like you know, if you go to practice or you go to training camp or you know you invest in these guys because it's the CFL and they're in the communities and all that sort of stuff. But from a production standpoint, these this was the unit that underachieved a season ago. I always find it weird that people still want everyone to come back. So as much as I personally like Ted Laurent and think that he can still be a, a valuable piece of the team moving on from is, is couldn't necessarily like, it might not necessarily be the wrong decision. You know what I mean? Cause he was a part of a team that did not perform up expectations last year. Right. And I just think, I think we need to get younger in the middle. I uh, always, we, we got mm-hmm. Dylan Wynn. Obviously he's going to be the guy there for a while. I think he needs a partner there. That's a uh, little bit of youth. And, well, and, uh, and, and you want to bring Micah Johnson back. So if you bring him back, and this was the same thing I said last year when, when Johnson signed, I was like, well, Ted Laurent's gone. And him coming back shocked yeah, yeah. me shocked, and shocked you too. 
So yeah. you bring back Johnson. It makes sense that they would move on from Teddy. So my my third guy was Lamar Durant, and it's just simple. He it's hurt too much. He did not perform last year. He had like I think twelve catches for barely over a hundred yards and touchdown. I know he wasn't getting the ball enough, but injuries have been his bugaboo his entire career. And as excited as I was that the team landed him, thinking, oh, this is that impact. Oh, this this is a guy that will come in and be better. And I I got heat from Mike Jones for saying it. Mike Jones was better eight last year, and Mike Jones has been better probably over his career than Lamar Durant is. And and I'm not exactly a Mike Jones fan, but I thought Lamar Durant would come in here and be that that Canadian receiver, the the best Canadian receiver we've seen since Danny Fantuz. And I thought Keandre Smith outperformed him, Tyler Tronowski outperformed him, David Unger outperformed him. Like I thought he might have been the worst Canadian pass catcher we had last year. And given that he's he commanded starters money a year ago, like big time Canadian receiver starters money, I just don't think there's any reason to bring him back. You're getting similar production out of first-year players who are making a third of the money you are. Why would you sign him back to another contract? It just doesn't make any sense to me. So what about what about league-wide? Is there any players league-wide that you want the team to just absolutely stay away from? Yes, all receivers. First of all, uh, Duke Williams. Just okay. like I don't, I don't think he's the player that he was a couple years ago, and he's just trouble. He, yep. he causes trouble. Uh, you know, he's getting penalties on the sidelines with the Rough Riders last year. He's spitting on people, you know, stay. The Alle- allegedly, 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 spitting. allegedly. Don't want to see it. Yes, allegedly. I, yeah, I believe yeah, he yeah. did it. Don't want to get sued. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, supposedly, allegedly. Second one's Brandon Banks. Now, I think that, you know, people would like to see him back in the tie catch uniform. But, you know, he's just, he's the same thing. He's trouble, man. Like, I don't want him on this team anymore. He just seems to cause trouble wherever he goes. He's complaining constantly on Twitter. He's telling everyone in Canada to forget about him. You got it, Brandon. Forgot. See ya. Darrell Walker gave up on his team last year and the year, or no, maybe not last year, a couple of years ago. Absolutely gave up. Um, I understand the team was dreadful. I understand that there's frustrations there, but you don't give up the way that he gave up, in my opinion. So I don't want anything to do with those three wide receivers. My three are wide receivers too, but they're three different wide receivers. But oh, I agree, wow. I agree with you on almost all of those guys. Uh, Kamar Jordan, ha- all the talent in the world can never stay healthy, and he's 34 years old and has fallen off a cliff. I want nothing to do with him. Eric Rodgers, same thing. I think he played one game last year and maybe played in, in one playoff game, but a guy super talented, but just can't stay healthy. And I these signing guys and then paying them to, to sit in street clothes on the sideline, not a good idea. And this one might surprise, I don't know, Greg Ellingson. He's 34 years old. He's a good receiver, but he's getting up there in age. He was He's dealt with injuries last year. I think he's only played in like 18 games, 19 games over the past two seasons. So again, if, if the Ticats signed him and he, he comes in as like, if he's their third option, because we have that, I think Addison's your good number two. And if they get like a Tim White or Eugene Lewis to make the number one and you bring him in as a third option, I guess I wouldn't be too upset. But I just think the idea of him still being a dominant top of the line receiver, those days are, are past him. So I would stay away from him as well. Yeah, I totally agree with all three of those as well. It's just uh, I don't want yeah, I don't want the team I don't guys... want the team to overpay for past production. I think that no. that's the biggest thing. You don't want to spend money. I'd rather them spend money on potential or on guys slightly younger that maybe aren't as quote unquote good or as, but you don't want to bring guys in and spend, you know, $150,000, $200,000 on guys that 
are going to play half the season and never live up to that contract. That that's where I'm looking at with these guys. Yeah, I think the the receivers you bring in maybe one like top end American guy and maybe a Canadian receiver. But yeah, you don't have to be signing like all the names. You know what I mean? You don't need that. If you bring yeah. back Tim White and we get another guy, Shaq Evans, you know, Eugene Lewis, whatever, then I think we're we're pretty set with Braylon Addison coming back into the fold. And don't Young forget been, Anthony Johnson's still there who who right? looked really good yep. a couple of games last Young year. Guys. And I honestly yep. think as much as I as much as I like your idea of Levi Noel coming in, if they roll with a Tyler Tronowski or Keandre Smith as their as their Canadian receiver, I, I don't hate that either. So you bring yeah, back a Tim are. White, you find another – like, Tim White was a find. Steven Dunbar was a find. You find another young Canadian or a young American player that no one knows. You bring him into the fold. I, like, I just don't necessarily think – as long as they have as, – as long as they don't come out of this without a true number one receiver, then I think where else you find your pieces – like, I, I don't want them to sign more than one veteran receiver is what I'm kind of getting at. If they sign a Eugene right. Lewis or a Tim White, like, I mean, if they sign Tim White and Eugene Lewis, then okay, I guess I'll 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 be happy. But if they only get to sign one of them, I don't think I'll be upset. Like, you, you've seen some 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 people on, like, you got to sign Tim White, then you got to bring in Eugene Lewis. And it's just like, again, like I said earlier, like, that's, you know, $550,000 to $600,000 ish. You know what I mean? For, for two guys, that's a lot of money to be paying receivers. And there's only one football to go around. And as good as Bo is, he can't throw it to two guys at once. Uh, it's like temper expectation, I think, is what I'm I'm looking for here. As much as you want to see all the big names come, I think this team has done a really good job over the years of finding those rookie Americans to step in and fill the void. I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I just don't think they need to go out and spend money on these mid-tier level receivers. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that, you know, if you bring in a guy like, like I said, like Shaq Evans, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's a really good receiver, maybe not at the top tier of the free agents, but close to it. And then you re-sign Tim White. Yep. I think a wide receiver core of, you know, Tim, Tim White, Tim, Shaq Tim White, Evans, Shaq Evans, Braylon Addison, Braylon Addison, Anthony Johnson, and one of the Canadians. That's pretty damn good. Canadian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, for, for yeah, exactly. So I think that would be, you know, a really good receiving core for Bo to throw to. And I think that all those guys would get productivity. You know, they would get the ball. You know, you wouldn't be looking at one guy all the time. And if you sign a guy for like 350,000, you know, a lot of the time that that guy's going to be doubled. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, obviously that'll open up things for your other receivers, but is that what you want? You know, you want the guy that you paid, you know, 300,000 plus to catch some balls. You know what I mean? So, yeah. All right, so we're going to stick with the Ticats. The legal tampering window has opened. It opened on Sunday, and we have seen numerous reports of players agreeing to contracts or being wined and dined by teams. According to our man Justin Dunk, one of those players being courted by the Ticats, and speaking of weapons for Bo Levi Mitchell, is BC Lions running back James Butler. Butler last year finished second in the league in rushing with 1,060 yards and was also pretty productive in the passing game, catching 53 passes for 384 yards. And also, he scored 11 total touchdowns. I think it was seven on the ground, four through the air. Signing Butler would almost assuredly mean the team will not be bringing back fan favorite Wes Hills. So, Mike, are you in favor of the team acquiring a back like Butler, or I'm not a back like Butler, acquiring Butler, even if it means they will be moving on from Wes Hills? Yeah, I think so. I'm a big fan of Wes Hills. I think he's a, a great runner. I think he's a physical runner. But him and ST are kind of similar. I think Wessels is more physical than Son Thomas Erlington, but it would be nice to get in a, a slasher like James Butler, right? And the the product 
productivity at the start of the season last year for him was through the roof in that with Nathan Rourke at quarterback and him being the running back. I think he had like three or four touchdowns in one game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was really productive catching the ball to the backfield. Um, he's a dynamic runner, and I think he would be very exciting in this offense. Not that they're going to hand up the ball to him a lot, I don't think, because that's not Tommy Condell's modus, uh, whatever the word is. You know what modus, I mean? op- so, modus operandi? Operandi, there it is. See, that's what you're here for, to say the big words. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think he would be a very exciting piece for this offense. I think he's the perfect back for Bo Levi. I think he's physical enough where he can run between the tackles, but he's also skilled enough that he can catch – like, he caught 53 passes last year. Like, that's a lot for a running back. Like, And I think that that's what he has up on a player like Wes Hills. And if they're going to command the same type of money – then I think I'd rather go with Butler just because he adds more in the passing game. And he's a shit. He's, he's a, still a big guy that can run people over, but he's shiftier in a way. And Wes Hills, the one negative you can say about his game, he's not shifty at all. He is, he's get, either getting you two yards or he's running someone over and picking up 12. You know what I mean? Like there's kind of no in between mm-hmm. with him. It's not, he's not, never going to break an 80 yard touchdown. I think James Butler could, I think James <laughs> Butler provides more in the passing attack. This, this to me, when I was looking at kind of player, like before this came out, one of the players that I was considering putting in my guys that I think the Ticats should go after was Walter Fletcher from Montreal, the running back there, who probably won't be re-signing in Montreal because William Stanback's still there. But Fletcher's kind of the same vein. He's a little smaller than Butler, but it's the same sort of vein. He can catch the ball and he can run the ball. And I think given a larger role in an offense can really do something. We know what Butler can do, second in the league in rushing a year ago. I just feel like having a weapon like him at the running back position that can do that can pass block. I mean, he wouldn't be in the, he wouldn't be in the CFL if he couldn't pass block as a running back, but can also run and catch out of the backfield, I think is more valuable than having a player like Hills who is kind of one dimensional. So I would be all for this move. Yeah. I'm with you. I think he'd be, like you said, he just, he does everything right. So it's, and just, I, you know what? he's, he's a bigger Don Jackson, essentially. Yeah, and he's not injured as much. No, no shade towards Don Jackson, but he and obviously he's younger and all that stuff. But he just hasn't had that injury problem. So if you get a you know have a back on the field for, he's probably not going to play every game because that's a physical position. But if you could have him for most of the games, then that would be a big plus. So the other Tiger Cats rumor to come out of this uh, legal tampering period also comes from from the Dunkster, who says that receiver Stephen Dunbar Jr. has agreed to terms with the Edmonton Elks. Dunbar recorded his first 1,000-yard season last year, literally caught exactly 1,000 yards. And over his two seasons with the Tabbies, he caught 116 passes for 1,630 yards and 10 touchdowns. He is reportedly set to make $200,000 per year on a two-year deal with Edmonton. So, Mike... How do you feel about the team losing out on Dunbar? And are you more okay with it seeing the terms of the contract and thinking a guy with that averages about 800 yards a year is getting 200K? That seems like a lot to me. Yeah, to me, it was either going to be, you know, you pick Tim White or you mm-hmm. pick Dunbar. Uh, and the right decision is to go with Tim White. Stephen Dunbar is a fine receiver. He has a lot of potential, I'm not going to lie. And I think he he can be a really, really good receiver in this league. And obviously Chris Jones likes him a lot to give him all that money, but he just hasn't proven enough to to justify a $200,000 paycheck, to me anyways. And, uh, you know, Chris Jones liked to throw out that money to the receivers, it seems. 300 k last year for, for Lawler, 200 k for Stephen Dunbar. But, yeah, I uh, 
you know, maybe like 150 would be the range that I'd go for for a Stephen Dunbar, but anything close to 200,000 seems like a lot for a player that hasn't really proven that he can be productive year after year. I don't think Speedy ever made 200k a year as a like even the year he was MOP, I don't think he made that much money. Like it just seems to me like receiver salaries are just out out of this world. Like there was the rumor earlier today that Kenny Lawler wanted a million dollars over three over a three year deal. He's reportedly going back to Winnipeg on a two year contract. So clearly no one out there was giving him three hundred and thirty three thousand a year. We've already talked about Eugene Lewis apparently wanting a three at the beginning of his paycheck as well. Dunbar getting I heard three fifty. Like, I, th- I heard three fifty. Three fifty. And then like, yeah. like think about think about uh, Tim White. Like what? So if Dunbar's getting two hundred, is Tim White creeping up on that three? Like it just seems to me like this is. This is a lot of money for receive. Like Tim, okay, Eugene Lewis, three fifty, I think, is a little out of whack. But Eugene Lewis deserves top. Like he deserves to be the highest paid player in the league. Kenny Lawler, you can, or highest paid receiver in the league. I mean, Kenny Lawler, you can make an argument that he's he deserves to be in the next one too. And I'd say Tim White, same thing. But when guys like Stephen Dunbar are getting that much as an Amer- like Canadian receivers, don't get that. You know right. what I mean? Like it just seems like it's an, a heck of a lot of money. And if that was his asking price in the Ty Cats past, I'm not upset about it at all. No, me neither. That, that's way too much. And yeah, I can only imagine if there was a Canadian receiver that was really lighting up the league, you know, what would he command? Yeah. Like 400,000? Like, yeah. that's just crazy. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think that, like, I'm good on them for getting their money. Like, good for them. Oh, absolutely. 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 Never, but ever. Salary I, cap. Yep. Yep. No, no, I never account- fault guys for getting paid. Never, ever, ever. It's just... No, no, no. When you see the numbers, you're like, oh, okay, passing on that, not exactly a terrible idea. Right. If it's on other teams, like, good on them. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, tie catch, you know, you have to evaluate, you know, how this all plays in within the salary cap. So 300 or 350K is a lot for a receiver. It sure is. All right. So we got all the tie cat stuff out of the way. So let's talk some league wide free agency. And like we debuted last week, we're going to play a game to do this. I'm calling this game three downs. This game basically involves us presenting three options for something. And we will each pick which option we think will happen and maybe give a short reason why Um, for today's game. The three options will be some of the, we're going to deal with some of the major players that are eligible for free agency on the other eight CFL teams that will potentially like who knows as of now, we, this, this could be dead, 10 minutes after we record. But as of now, these are kind of the big names that are set to hit free agency. And we're going to basically say whether they, we think they're going to stay with their current team, move to another team in their division or move to a team in the opposite division. So let's start in BC who do not have a ton of major pending free agents, but one they do have is someone we've already discussed. And that is James Butler. So obviously we have the rumors that he's going to be heading to Hamilton potentially, do you think that's what will end up happening, or do you think he's going to end up staying in BC or moving to another team in the West? What say you, Mike? Well, I think that uh, Dunk is, you know, pretty much spot on in everything he reports. So I'm going to say that he's going to end up in Hamilton. He's going east. Yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And that's something like yeah. that. Like Dunkster doesn't put stuff like that out in the world unless he's fairly. Cu- now he did. He just said the Ticats are pursuing him, but. You know, yeah, you could uh, read between the lines. I, I do. I think he's going east. I think he's going to the Ticats. So we'll move on to the Calgary Stampeders. And they're a team that maybe has been even less busy than the Ticats have been in lead up to free agency. And that's usually their thing. They don't tend to over overspend on, on veteran players, but they do have a fair number of marquee free agents still inside unsigned. So we're going to start with, with them. But we're only going to we're only going to talk about three of them because I kind of want to limit this a little bit. First up, Sean Lemon. League's 
nominee for or the uh, West nominee for most outstanding defense player last year, finished second in the league in sacks. What does his future hold, Mike? Is he staying in Calgary, going somewhere else <laughs> west, or is he moving on east? I think he's going to go east. Um, oh, okay. It's just funny, funny that Sean Lemon just can't seem to stick on a team, even though he produces every year with the sack yeah. numbers. They just don't. Teams just don't want him. <laughs> I don't know why. I have no idea why. But yeah, I think that's going to continue, and he'll sign somewhere in the east. All right. Uh, I think he's going to stick uh, in Calgary. Okay. Oh, you you got a, you got a team you think he's going to? No, no, no. I was just going to go to the next one. Sorry, my bad. Okay. No, I uh, no, I think uh, I think he's going to stick in Calgary. I think that's where he's been the most productive. I think he wants to stay there. I think they'll get a deal done. So I think he's going to stay in Calgary. Uh, next up, fellow defensive lineman, someone we've talked about, someone I I want to come to Hamilton uh, for Laren Orimalade. 27-year-old, had six sacks last season after finally getting an expanded role after playing sparingly in his first two seasons. I think he's going to be a hot commodity as a young pass rusher. So, is he a stamp after Tuesday? Is he heading elsewhere in the West? Is he coming East? What say you? The stamps are notorious for not really spending a lot of money on their on free agents or even their own players. But I think that this guy, like, and that's one of the reasons why I said Sean, uh, I think Sean Lemon's going to be gone. Ah, she's going to bring him back. Him. Okay. Yeah, I think um, the uh, Ora Malade is going to be back at the Calgary St. Peters because he's still young. He's uh, on the upside of his career. Um, so I think they will want him back. I don't know where he's going to go, but I think he's going to go somewhere in the West. As much as I want him in Hamilton, I think some West team, maybe Edmonton, will will poach him and he'll form a, a nice, uh, make make a nice career for him up there in the Alberta Cup. But I think I think he's he's I think he's leaving Calgary and he's going he's going somewhere in the West. All right, last one from the Stampeders, Mike linebacker Jameer Thurman. He's been a standout during his four years with the Stamps. Three hundred total tackles, six picks, six interceptions. And in 64 games, he has eight forced fumbles, which seems insane. Eye-popping numbers, if you ask me, and ones that I think will make him highly sought after next week. So where where is he going after the market opens? Is he wearing red and white, going west, or staying west, or going east? I think he, I think the Stamps are going to try their hardest to lock him up. So okay. I think that he might go to free agency and test the market, but ultimately I think he ends up back with the Stampeders. I'm with you as I think that's the exact place he's going to stay. I think he's, he's the, you know, Juwan Simpson, Alex Singleton. He's he's that guy in the middle there, that bedrock of that defense. I agree with you. I think he's staying in Calgary as well. Uh, moving on to Edmonton, not a ton of marquee Edmonton Elks that will hit the market, but one that likely will be available is former all-star receiver Darrell Walker. He has had a couple of rough seasons with Edmonton, but he did post some respectable numbers last season, catching 65 passes for 874 yards. He did, however, only score one touchdown. So even if Walker's best days are behind him, and that does feel like a weird thing to say, given that he's only 31 years old, I think there still will be a market for his services. So what do you think? Is he back in green and gold next year, taking his talents to another West division team, or is he heading East once again, like he did a few years ago when he went into Toronto? I think he's going to stay in the West. I think he might end up, or I think he will end up uh, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I think they'll take a chance on him, you know, not as a number one guy, number one receiver in that offense, but I think they're going to lose a number of receivers to free agency. Duke Williams, uh, Shaq Evans. Uh, there was another guy in there that I, I can't recall right now, but maybe they bring him in as like a second or third receiver and he revitalizes his career a little bit. I completely agree like i think he stays west and i think he goes to the riders too i think he'll get a kind of a reclamation year there 
maybe playing with potentially Trevor Harris with the rumors that he's agreed to terms there. And I, 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 I'm with you. I'm all in. So speaking of the Riders, we're going to move on to them. They have some big-name veterans that are said to be free, none of which bigger than maybe the guy that was formerly the franchise savior, quarterback Cody Fajardo. We know Fajardo's had a couple of rough seasons in Regina after bursting onto the scene in 2019 when he led the team to the best record in the West, hosted the West final, and was the runner-up for most outstanding player. The QB market seems to be shrinking fast. Trevor Harris looks like he's heading to Saskatchewan, likely means Fajardo's on his way up, but you never know. Maybe they bring him back as a backup. So I think Fajardo's going to have to make a decision pretty quickly if he hopes to find a seat before they all fill up. So is Fajardo's future in green and white? another uniform in the West, or is he heading back East where his career began? I think he's heading West. I think the best situation for him would be in BC. Um, back back you know, of Vernon Adams Jr.? Yeah, backing up Vernon Adams Jr. You know, and Vernon Adams is an okay quarterback. He can be very good, but he's streaky, and he, he can be bad at times as well. So I think he could see the field. Maybe they do a little bit of a platoon thing like Mazzoli and Evans, or we've seen – with the Hamilton Tiger Cats over the, a, a number of years with the platoon quarterback situation. But some people say maybe he'd end up in Montreal, but I just don't see that with Jason Moss as the offensive coordinator. I don't think, oh. the, you know, Moss's um, system really fits with Cody Fajardo, right? Um, and I think you saw that last year in Saskatchewan. So I just don't see that happening. And I, I, I just think that that's the best situation for Cody Fajardo to go to BC. I didn't even think of the Moss thing. You're, I, I had him going to Montreal, so I, but I think you're right. I think BC, like, I maybe, maybe Calgary. I don't. I just don't see Calgary making that type of move. But if there's a dark horse, maybe the Stampeders. But you're right. Why would he go to Montreal with the offense coordinator that didn't work when he played with, for him last year? And now the guy's the head coach and the play caller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? You, yeah, I'm, I'm pivoting. I had the owls down here, but I'm pivoting. I'm, I'm going with I'm going with you. I'm going with BC. I think that that's that might be the best place for him. Uh, there's all the team also has a pair of receivers, Duke Williams and Shaq Evans, that are possibly on their way out, or maybe not. Who knows? Both have dealt with injuries, and there are of course the knuckleheaded things Williams has done, which we kind of talked about earlier. So what do you think? Are either of these guys still riders, or are they going to another team in the West, or are they heading east uh, for the first time in their CFL careers? Let's start with Duke. What do you think happens with him? I could see Duke. I don't think he'll be back with the Riders. I could see him ending up in Edmonton. Uh, I'm not sure Chris Jones is familiar with him, but he seems like a guy that Chris Jones would like. He's big. He can catch the ball. Well, obviously he can catch the ball. He's a goddamn receiver. Don't like you. Oh, well, then, then maybe uh, they'll, you know maybe Jones I mean. will convert him to a uh, defensive back like he did to Ron Carter. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what he'll do. But he just seems like he would fit in well. Maybe Chris Jones thinks he can, you know, control him, not make him a problem, play within the system, all that good stuff. So, yeah, I think he, he's going to – he won't be with the Riders, and he'll end up in Edmonton. I can't disagree with that one either. That's what I had. I had him going to Edmonton as well because he seems like a Chris Jones kind of guy. Uh, what about Shaq Evans? Uh, what does his immediate future hold for for him? Do you, do you see him back with the Riders, or is he going west or east? I think he goes east. Um, I said earlier in the show that I want him with the Ticats – and I'll stick with that. Uh, I think he goes east and ends up with Hamilton. I think he goes east, but this feels like a Red Blacks move. They don't really have a number one receiver right now. And I feel as if he's the kind of guy that they could talk themselves into being their their lead receiver. So I, I feel like he goes east, and I think Ottawa's the place that he might end up. Uh, Winnipeg is next. They have spent a lot of money bringing back some high-priced veterans since the season ended. 
I'd list them, but the list would take forever. Um, but that doesn't mean they don't still have impact players potentially hitting the market. One of those players is someone we already talked about a little bit, Greg Ellingson. Spent one year in Winnipeg as after signing with the team leaving Edmonton in free agency last February. So what do you think the future holds for him? Is he back in Winnipeg, which seems unlikely? Does he find a suitor in the West Division, or does he come back to the East, where his career also began? You know, Greg Ellenson was really productive when he was on the field with the Winnipeg Bloomers. I thought that Caleros had a really good connection with him, but... Yeah, with the the rumor that they're bringing Kenny Lawler back, and you know, I, I just don't see him fitting in there. So I think that he might uh, go to the a team in the East, and I'm going to pick the Montreal Alouettes. I know it's a dumpster fire there, but I I just don't see where he, you know, other teams that would be necessarily interested in him. And maybe there's there's a team out there that you have a, uh, you know, a better idea from him for him going, but I I can't think of it right now. I don't. It's Montreal reuniting with Jason Moss. Matt Moss was Moss was the head coach in Edmonton when when Ellingson yep. was there. They're gonna need. They've already uh, rumored to have lost Jake Winnicky to Saskatchewan. I said that weird Saskatchewan. I don't know how I came <laughs> <You did>. like <laughs> that. Saskatchewan. They've already lost him to Saskatchewan. Eugene Lewis is unlikely to be back. They're gonna. Someone's got to catch passes from whoever the quarterback is there. Greg Ellingson makes a lot of sense with the familiarity with that system. So I do actually think he might go there. So. Moving on now, we're finally in the East Division. We're going to start with the uh, defending Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts, who were busy over the weekend. They locked up some big-name players. Defensive back Deshaun Amos, receivers Curly Gittins Jr. and Tavares Daniels are all returning. Even with those moves, they still do have a good amount of all-star talent potentially in the open market. We're not going to talk about McLeod Bethel-Thompson because he's already stated, it's already been stated that if he comes back to the CFL, He's coming and he's playing for the Toronto Argonauts and no one else. So instead, we're going to talk about someone that Mike wants to see return to Hamilton. And that's Jagarrett Davis, Mr. Grey Cup. He had, you said it, kind of a down season statistically last year, but he once again finished the season by playing for a championship, winning it this time. So all's well that ends well, I guess. Where do you think Davis will be extending his streak next season? Will he help the Argos try to make it to back-to-back Grey Cups? Will he move back to the West Division where his career began? Or will he stay East and help another team in that division make their Grey Cup run? What do you got? I think he's going to go down the road on the, the 401 there to Hamilton and come back, uh, sign back with the good guys and uh, hopefully continue his streak of, of Grey Cup runs. I'm I'm kind of agreeing with you on that. I know I said I'd like or Rimalade to come here, but the more I think about it, the more you kind of talk about it, the more I'm convinced that I think you Garrett Davis come back to Hamilton after one year. Like I said, the Joe Monfort thing didn't work out in Toronto, but he'll come back to Hamilton and continue that domination that he had here for a couple of seasons. The Argos currently employ the only two players to ever win Grey Cup Most Valuable Player and Most Valuable Canadian in Andrew Harris and Enoch Mwamba. Will both or either of these players be back in double blue, or will they turn their blues in for another color in East, or will they both head back West? Let's start with Andrew Harris, Mike. Where will his career continue? Listen, I don't think Andrew Harris, I don't think he's going to be playing anywhere except for Toronto if he comes back, because there's been rumors about his retirement, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think if he's anywhere, it will be with the Argonauts. I I, 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 I just don't don't see any other team. Yeah, even with the guys... Yeah, with his pedigree, you know, he's on, he's 35 years old. He's been beat up. He's been beat up throughout his whole career. I just don't, don't see anyone else being interested in him. I, before the James Butler to Hamilton rumor started, I thought there was a small possibility that the Ticats might be interested in him just because 
It would provide great racial flexibility. They have Sean Thomas Erlington. So when Andrew Harris inevitably gets hurt, they're not hurting at the running back position. They can still start a Canadian there. And also he's that type of back. He can catch out of the backfield. He can, he doesn't make people miss as much anymore. He's more of a bruiser, but he can still do things in the passing attack. I thought that he was that style, but obviously I'd rather the team go get a James Butler than get Andrew Harris. But I'm with you. If he, I think if he's playing again next year, I think he's playing with the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Muamba coming off maybe the best postseason that he's ever had. And he got the first championship of what has turned into a exceptional professional career after being number one overall pick in 2010 or 2011, I believe. Will he be back with the Argos trying to help them get to -to back-to-back titles? Or will he be on the move again? And is it east or west that he goes? Uh, the same with Harris as I am for Mwamba. If he comes back and plays in the CFL, it will be with the Argonauts. He, you know, like you said, Grey Cup MVP, most outstanding Canadian in the Grey Cup game as well. He was such a big part of that championship run that, uh, and they marketed him so much, you know, in the off season. I, I just think that it would be wise to bring him back with the Ar- And he, he's a Toronto boy. I think yep. he loves playing in Toronto. So it just makes sense. Yep, I completely agree. I think he's he's from the area. He wants to play for that team. Why would he Why would he leave now? I, I don't think there's any mm-hmm. chance he leaves Toronto. If he's playing, he's, he's playing for the Argos. The New Look Red Blacks have a couple of players that should garner major interest on the open market, both of them on defense. We are going to start with ratio-breaking defensive end Kwaku Botang. Botang missed the entire 2020, 2022 season with an Achilles injury after heading to Ottawa in free agent last year, leaving Edmonton to do so. He was handed a massive contract and never played it down in the nation's capital. It was one of those things that was unfortunate after he got hurt. I really wanted to see what he could do as as the lead pass rush. Imagine, what, imagine how fierce Ottawa's pass rush would have been with Boateng on one side and, and Lorenzo Malden on the other. That would have caused fits. Maybe the Red Blacks would have actually been good last year. Anyway, do you think the Red Blacks bring him back, or will he take his talents to another East Division team, or is he heading back west where his career started? I think Ottawa is going to bring him back. Uh, you, you give that guy, you know, a lot of money. You don't see any production on the field cause he's injured the whole season. I just think that you, you gotta give him another chance because defensive ends, Canadian defensive ends that can, you know, are really productive and can get to the quarterback are hard to come by. So I think you hold on to that asset. Man, this is getting kind of redundant because I agree with you as well. I think Ottawa will, I don't think he'll make as much money as he did a year ago. I think there'll be a lot of. No incentives performance incentives in that contract that'll maybe allow him to make that much money but i think he does end up signing back he signed there for a reason they never he never got to play unless the team doesn't want him which i don't see being the case i think i think he's back in ottawa for another go uh the other ottawa defender that i think will cash in in free agency is linebacker avery williams williams has been one of the few bright spots for an otherwise terrible ottawa team over the last few years he was their nominee for most outstanding defensive player in 2019 and 2021 and also in 2019 he was their nominee for most outstanding player which tells you how good he is but also how bad ottawa has been will he cash in with the rouge noir mike or is he headed to another team in the east or is he going out west yeah, I think he stays with the Rouge Noir as well. I, I just think he's too valuable on the defensive side of the ball uh, to let go. And uh, I think they're going to lock him up. I think he's going elsewhere. I, I'm going to say he's going somewhere in the West. I think there's going to be a little bit of musical chairs. With, like we got Jameer Thurman, uh, Darnell Sankey is still out there, although there are rumors of that he's going to be re-signing with Saskatchewan. I think there could be an opening there. I think a place like Edmonton. I, I'm trying to think of who Edmonton's middle linebacker is right now. 
and I, I can't think who it is. And and that's been a that's been a team with uh, like J.C. Sherritt types or going way back. Willie Pless always kind of had that bedrock middle linebacker. So maybe a team like Edmonton might dole out a little extra cash to bring him in. I, I think that would be a good fit for him. Uh, okay, lastly, we're going to move on to the Montreal Alouettes, who are seemingly once again in a state of disarray. They have a number of high-profile players ready to peddle their wares to the other eight teams, but it's someone that we've talked about extensively already today, Eugene Lewis. He's arguably the biggest free agent available, and almost every team will be after him in some respect or another. So what does the future hold for him? Is he back with the Owls, which seems highly unlikely? Is he playing for one of Montreal's division rivals? Or is he leaving the East and going somewhere west of Ontario for the first time in his career? I'm going to say he's going to go west and sign with the Riders. I think the Riders are desperate. And I think they're going to, you know, they're going after Trevor Harris already. And I think they're going to throw a ton of money at both of those guys. Uh, and I think that Eugene Lewis, I was reading somewhere that he's, he's went through like just a number of quarterbacks throughout the years in Montreal. You know, not a lot of them haven't been that good. So I think that he finally found stability with Trevor Harris, a guy that can get him the ball. So I think he follows Trevor Harris to Saskatchewan and they come in as a duo. All right. I mean, why change up what's happened for most of the last picks? I agree with you. I think he's going to the Riders as well. I think that they are going to spend money to get themselves out of the hole they dug themselves in last year. They, this is a make or break year for a lot of people in upper management, the general manager, the president, the head coach. This is kind of like if they don't, make a run in the playoffs a lot of people they're, they're going to be hitting the reset button so mm-hmm. i think eugene lewis i think they're going to spend 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 to get eugene lewis in green and white and i think he goes to the riders as well one last thing though mike before we go i i feel like we need to talk about this it's just the alouettes in general man like has has any team fumbled the bag i guess worse than montreal has in the last 12 months like you think about where they were a year ago coming off back-to-back playoff appearances they were kind of a a dark horse pick to maybe come out of the East. And I know that they had a pretty successful season making it to the East final, but during the season, they were, it was like one fire after another midway through the second game of the season. They benched Vernon Adams for Trevor Harris. Then a couple of weeks later, they fire Kahari Jones. Then they trade Adams to BC because they believe Harris is their long-term ish as, as long-term as a guy who's 37 can be answer at quarterback. And now we have the reports that Harris is leaving Montreal to sign with Saskatchewan. He's taking Jake Winicky with him, apparently. Eugene Lewis could follow him out the door. I know there's a lot of uncertainty with ownership, and that hasn't helped matters. But this feels like an all-time blunder by a team. Like, this mismanagement could set this team back years, if you know what I mean. Like, this has just been a complete mishandling of almost anything. Again, like I said, I know the ownership issue has been at the forefront recently, but does it not surprise you that all of this sort of nonsense has come about pretty much ever since Danny Machocha took over? Like, again, I'm again, I know the owner, I don't want to place all the blame on him because they were a decent team last year, but it just feels like chaos follows that guy around when it comes to CFL franchise. It does it not. It does. And I think that there's, there's a lack of communication between Danny Machocha and the ownership you know, I know that the estate, Sid Spiegel, I believe was his name, that passed yep. away, his estate is running it. You know, they're trying to sign free agents, but they can't get a hold of whoever they're trying to get a hold of to spend the money. You know, and you mentioned a lot of the on-field stuff, which was, you know, they they put themselves back. Um, you know, I think a couple, maybe, 
you know, there's a rebuild in place now because they're going to lose a lot of guys in free agency. And, and not to mention the the firing of the president of the Montreal. Mm-hmm. Reds, who, I, for, I completely forgot about that. You're right. And by all things that I've heard was doing a really good job. He cared about the Alouettes. You know, the attendance was up, all that good stuff. And they let him go. And I just, I don't understand that at all. And, you know, I think uh, it's just been a circus with, with the Montreal Alouettes, especially lately with Gary Stern on Twitter. And, you know, I, I get that the fans like him and they, uh, you know, he seems like a friendly guy, but it just, he's just acting He's not acting like an owner. You shouldn't be on Twitter guaranteeing wins each week and doing this and saying that and blah, blah, blah. So I think it's just overall, Machocha's not a very good, he hasn't, yeah, and I know he won a great cup as a head coach, but, you know, things have followed him around wherever he goes. So I think it's a, a mixture of both things, the ownership and the general manager uh, slash head coach last year. So it's just a mess there. Uh, let me explain what I mean by this because it's going to sound really mean when I, when I say what I'm about to say next, Gary Stern acts like a clown and everyone laughs at the clown and everyone can find the clown. Like you ever go to a party and there's the guy that's just making an ass out of himself. And it's like, Oh, that that's, that's pretty funny at first. And you're kind of getting into it. And then gets old keeps, quick gets and because it's, it's repetitive. There's never anything new. The set stays the same. And you're just like, yeah. all it right. It doesn't I, make sense. He just doesn't yeah. make sense. It's like, he was, he was, you know, screaming to the rooftops about Danny Machocci. He knows what he's doing. Trevor Harris is the guy. And then all of a sudden, he, he hates Trevor Harris now, and he wants Vernon Adams back. It's like, I just, I don't think he's a guy that should own a professional yeah. sports team. But that's yeah. just me. But, that, but that's also what I mean. Like, you look at what has happened on the field. Like, take the off-the-field stuff out of it. It's like, now, obviously, the off-field stuff has, has plays a role in what's happened. But, like... Why did you okay the firing of Kari Jones? If you liked Vernon Adams so much, why'd you trade him to BC for a first round pick? And I know that a lot of people value draft picks, but I mean, name me the, off the top of your head, the last first round draft pick that you remember that became an impact player in the CFL. Honestly, like I know picks and I know a lot of them are, are offensive linemen and they're very valuable, but I mean, Alex Singleton maybe was the last guy that I can remember that really came in, especially as a rookie and kind of took yeah. the league by storm. Like draft picks, I don't think are that important anymore because I think we talked about Sean Thomas Erlington. You can find guys late in the draft. Sean Thomas Erlington was literally an eighth round pick and he's had probably, he's probably had a longer career. I should, I, we, I, you know what? I'm going to look that up right now. I'm going to look up Sean Thomas Erlington's draft year and we're going to look at who, like he's still in the league and he's been a productive member of this team. He was picked in the eighth round of the 2017 draft. So here are the first you're the guys in the first round of the 2017 draft. Faith Akakati, who I think has been out of the league for like five years. Cam Judge has had a pretty good career. Okay. Yep, yep. Danny Vandervoort never amounted to anything. Yeah. He's still in the league, but he ne- he was the third pick in the draft. and he yeah, I mean, He's not doing anything, though. No. I, I mean, he's, yeah. Connor McGuff, who was drafted by the Ticats. I think I think he's retired now. He's he he was fine, but he never became much. More he was never that. a starter, never nope. a starter really, never like a full time starter. So yeah, nope. yep. Nate Bahar. Okay, he's okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm on the Wikipedia entry for this. Randy Calling was drafted six by the by the uh, by the Calgary Stampeders. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. That's how yeah. little Ooh. he produced. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, then we had Junior Luke, Jeff Gray, and Evan Johnson. Jeff Gray's a fine player. Evan Johnson's a pretty good player. I'm looking. I'm. I'm looking at the rest of this. Like, 
Darius Bladek was was is pretty good, but there's it's just a lot of guys that Tunde Delicay was drafted in the third round of that draft. Probably the best player in that draft. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yep. Like you just you look up and down this like there's How did he drop the third round? Like Waku just, Boteng, That's crazy fifth, to me. Fifth round pick. Okay. Yeah. So we, I we mean, had, there's a handful of guys that are going to yeah. be really good out of each draft, but, but think about that. Know, the be- 90% the best- of them are going to be backups or out of the league in a couple or, years. Or offensive linemen that you forget about. But think about this. Think, think In this draft, the three best players were drafted in the third, fifth, and eighth rounds of the draft. Exactly. And, Cam Judge, and Cam Judge was the one first-round pick that actually became a full-time starter. So you're even if you're trading a first, getting a first round pick or getting multiple first round picks back for a player you trade, does it really like good teams like that know how to scout will find players later in the draft as we've seen there. So, and that was the 2017 draft. That's not that long ago. And no. so anyway, you, anyway, my whole point was they traded it. They traded a first round. They got a first round pick. They'll, they'll get that pick in this year's draft who they take with it might never see the field or might never become anybody. So it just it just feels like they're really trending. They were they were trending in a positive direction. You know, 2019 they make the playoffs for the first time in like five years. They lose the playoff game, but they host the playoff game. Then 2021, they made the playoffs again. They lost, but they again making the playoffs. You know, for a team that had been out of it for a half decade, now you're starting to build momentum. This year, oh man, they get to the East final. They they play the Ar- the Argos controlled that game for the most part, but the Owls had a chance here here and there to to kind of get the win but for the most part but you get to these final you, you want to build on that it seems like you're just tearing everything down it's just it just seems like it's an absolute disaster there and i remember last show we talked about the owls uh what they would do with jason moss and you were more high on them and i'm not i'm not ripping you at all because i can understand that but now if we if we did that game this week about what we thought the owls would look like i think we'd both be saying yeah. potentially worst team in the league this year yeah absolutely i remember yeah i was high on them and uh not so much anymore. It's just no. they're not gonna they're gonna lose all the good players and yeah. they're not gonna be able to bring in good free agents because of the situation they're in right now. So it's just yeah, if I had to pick standings right now, I'd pick them, you know, bottom of the league. Yeah, I I like at this point I think that they're more in line to get the first overall pick in the twenty twenty four draft than they are to make the playoffs. That's how I feel about the house. Okay. Yeah, and, but, and you don't, you don't want any, and just to put a bow on that, you don't want yep. any team in this league with the ownership problems that they're having right now. No. And maybe there's some buyers out there. Um, and I hope I'm hoping that this gets resolved quickly and we have stable ownership in Montreal because yeah, we don't want another franchise going under or anything like that. Okay. Not to end this on a bummer. Let's do something fun. I saw a tweet from someone, I think it tweeted at the Podsky account. Uh, because we're recording, that means that a player signing is going to happen within an hour of us hitting stop on the recording button. Likely a Ticap player is going to sign. So, Mike, who do, you, who do you got? What what big-name Ticap player is going to ink a deal with the team and make a lot of what we said earlier in the show obsolete? I'm going to go with Tim White. I think um, the Ticats are going to do whatever it takes to sign him up, and I think that he's going to be you know, signed up relatively quickly before this podcast comes out. So fingers crossed that it's Tim White. Okay. Uh, I'll go Simone. I'll say Simone finally puts pen to paper, inks the contract, comes back, and we'll have to talk about it in two weeks when we get back and discuss all the free agency things. That's why I think. I think everyone will be rejoicing that number 21's back for one more go in the hammer to try to win a cup. So you got Tim White. I got Simone Lawrence. We'll see next time we record whether we're right or wrong. But that is Pod's for this week. I am Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.